knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. It is episode 131. Thank you for clicking on whatever you clicked on to listen to this right now. Today we're going to talk about guide communication. What do I mean by guide communication? I mean three different things, which we will talk about over the course of the next 20 minutes or so. But let's start kind of at the beginning. Why use a guide? I know a lot of people that don't think that getting a guide is worth the money, worth the time. They think they can get a lot out of fishing without that you know what? Go for it. I have no qualms against that approach. It was a long time before I spent my own money on a fly fishing guide, but I think there's a lot of value in it. I think I've talked about this in other podcasts. You know, using a guide isn't just about catching fish. That being said, if you really just want to catch fish, spend money, have somebody take you and put you on a fish. But I think there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, a, a guide is a great conduit into learning more about a particular waterway or, or area. A guide is a great tool for figuring out how to fish in a particular manner. You know, They can critique you in a way that YouTube never can, and your fishing buddies who may or may not be your peers uh, aren't probably going to be equipped to do. So there's a lot of benefits for having a guide. Uh, I was thinking about this recently uh, based on something I heard in another podcast. They're talking about kind of combining uh, DIY trips, you know, do-it-yourself things with guiding. And they recommended having a guide towards the end. I personally think, first of all, whatever you want to do is fine. I don't care which way you go. But I believe that if you're, say, uh, doing a long weekend trip, then get a guide for that first day, even if it's just half a day. You're going to get the, you know, the most bang for your buck if you pay for that full day. You know, you're going from like, you know, four hundred fifty dollars to six hundred dollars, or three hundred fifty dollars to five hundred dollars. It really, you know, pays off to to to, to bump up that whole day from an economic standpoint. But you want to start your trip off on a great foot. Now you can have a terrible experience, both with the guide, uh, with the water, with the weather. There's nothing you you can't control those things. At the same time. That will set you up for success. You can learn what works. And these are people who, if they grind, if it's a good guide, again, let's assume it's a good guide, they're going to grind out a couple of fish for you. And that's going to help you from flailing around for the next two or three days where you're kind of on your own. So if you can't afford it, and if it's something you're interested in, I suggest getting a guide even just to become uh, familiar with 
and aware of what's going on in your local water bodies as well as in places where you're going on vacation or for a trip. I, another little caveat and kind of sidebar here before we get into the meat of the podcast every once in a while consider getting a guide for where you fish locally now not necessarily your backyard stream little you know stocked trout water or kind of the little swampy you know flats that you you fish to catch a couple of you know redfish or snook in but if there are some premium premier angling locations within a couple hours drive that you do take day trips to every once in a while consider maybe getting a guide and seeing what you're doing wrong i mean again you might be the expert but these people are an expert in a very different way. There's something to be said for somebody who's on the water hundreds of days out of the year. As well as you know those spots and how to fish them, they probably have a little bit of a different perspective. And bare minimum, it might add 10% to your awareness of how to fish. And it might modify 10% of, of your thinking that is a little bit skewed. Um, I know that's the case for me with some places that I fished incredibly hard. I felt like it was very intimately familiar with some of these creeks. Just talking to guides um, through some of the, the work I did in conservation and fly fishing education uh, back in Pennsylvania, just talking to guides, I thought, oh my goodness, how did I miss this? Well, even though I was on the water two or three times a, a week, I wasn't working for fish. You know, I, I wasn't fishing like my income depended on. These guys were doing that. And so they saw things in a little bit of a different way. Plus, they just have a different perspective than me. And they're thinking about fly fishing all day, every day. You know how that works for, for you with your job where you have this sense of importance and it's good, rightfully so. You have some importance and ownership about what you do and how you do it. And then you talk to somebody who might not be in your field or maybe it's just a client who wants your product and who, who wants you to do something for them. And they're not as jazzed about the whole process. They just want the end result. And a lot of times these guides and people in fly fishing, they're going to be thinking about this in a way that's a little bit different than even you as a fly fishing enthusiast. So again, just a little bit of perspective before we get into what I mean by guide communication. So guide communication, here's what we're talking about. You need to be able to communicate with your guide and you want your guide to communicate with you and you need to communicate together, okay? This is what separates good guides from bad guides. This is what separates good guides from great guides. And I've had experiences with great, good, and not so good guides in my fly fishing and conventional fishing experience. So let's go through a few things. First of all, you want a guide who can communicate well with you. They need to, I mean, from the start, if they are not being too responsive to emails, texts, phone calls, inquiries about gear, weather, clothing, stuff like that, it's not a deal breaker, but it could be a red flag. Now, if they're in the thick of the season and they are just pounding it every day and you text them in the morning and they don't get back to you at night, you know what? That's good. That means that they weren't playing on their phone while they had somebody out in the drift boat because you're not going to want them doing that to you. But if it's weeks and weeks and weeks, that can be a red flag. And I've had that before. And I've and I've had people I've wanted to fish with because I've I've met them, you know, just in in fly fishing shows and in other things in the in the, in the community. And I thought, man, this guy seems like a great guy to fish with. 
But then they haven't gotten back to me about, you know, inquiring about when I can, you know, pay them to go fishing. And so I said, all right, you know what? That's fine. That's just not going to be the person I want to, to fish with. Uh, similarly, cold calls. I've had people just not get back to me because I said, you know what? I'll try to fish this area. Let's see who's got good reviews. Let's see who has a, you know, pretty social media. And those things don't necessarily translate into the things I want to see. Now, could these people be catching all sorts of fish with their clients? Yes. But I have been burned by people who are just not great communicators. And here's, here's why. It goes beyond getting the logistics of your trip lined up. That stuff is vital, especially if you're a new angler. You don't want to be kind of left to your own devices to figure out what you need to bring and how you need to do it. Now, generally speaking, a lot of these websites are going to say, you know, polarized sunglasses, sunscreen, hat, fishing license, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's other questions that you want to ask regarding, you know, bringing your own gear for day two and three when maybe you're not fishing with the guide. Uh, you might want to ask questions about how you're going to be fishing so you can start reading about it, so you can take some ownership and stuff like that. So if they can't get back to you, then that can be a little bit of a problem. But more than that is that could be indicative of their communication skills. So this is not meant to be judgmental. It's just the plain truth. People who are good at things aren't necessarily good at communicating those things. Okay? So there's a lot of people who are phenomenal engineers, 100 times smarter than me. But can they communicate the most basic principles of what they do to me, the layman? You know, if, if they can't, then there's a deficit in their knowledge. Now, somebody who might not be as brilliant and might not be a savant, but they're able to communicate, you know, on a napkin at a diner what they're doing in engineering or what they're doing in physics or what they're doing in chemistry. To me, as somebody who doesn't really understand those things, if they can communicate it in basic terms, then that's somebody who I think not only knows what they're doing, but they also have a, a frame of reference and an ability to communicate it when it matters most. So, of course, I'm happy that there's people that just get the job done in the fields of engineering and, and physics and chemistry. But, you know, when we're talking about a conversation and being able to relay information, you're going to run into that same thing with fly fishing. I know some people who are phenomenal fly tires and they are silent as a church mouse when they are tying because they don't know how to really communicate it. They can do it in a phenomenal way, but they can't communicate it very well. And that doesn't necessarily help somebody who is kind of an intermediate to beginner fly tire. The same goes for when you're out on the boat or walking the flats or doing something on the water. You want somebody who's able to talk you through what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, that they're seeing, that you need to be seeing. They need to be able to articulate to you what's wrong with your cast without just taking the rod from you doing it and saying, do that. That is not necessarily helpful. There's a time and a place, but you want somebody who can communicate to you what you need to do. This doesn't mean that they're bossy. This just means that they're able to share that information. So if you've had a guide that's been quiet all day, now you might be a super introverted person and that might be your idea of a great trip. And if that's the case, awesome. Find the mute. That's perfect. You know, however, if you have been out fishing with a guide and they haven't said a lot to you, even if you're asking questions and you feel like you're struggling with things, then that's not them letting you have space. That's them not knowing what to say or maybe just not knowing how to say things. They might be a great angler. 
They might be able to lay out line beautifully. They might be able to bring all sorts of fish to the boat. But if all they're doing is giving you the most basic commands and grunts, you know, in my opinion, that's not what you're looking for. You're 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 not looking for you know a, a TED talk. You're not looking for some great teacher. But you do want somebody who is able to articulate and communicate the most basic principles of how you're casting, and not just how, but why you're casting to that spot. If he says, you know, cast to that uh, 11 o'clock at 40 feet, you know, if it's that tense moment, you don't want him to explain, well, there's a redfish that's moving in, and you want to make sure that you do this, that, and the other. In that moment, you need, they need to drop it. But afterwards, if they can give you some justification, either either unsolicited or when you ask a question, then that is what you're looking for. So you want somebody who can communicate. You know, you're not going to know this ahead of time, but if you're at a fly fishing show, if you're on the phone with somebody, then these are things to pick up on. Are they clear? Are they able to communicate some of these more basic and also more complicated concepts to you without, again, having to, to take you and point at something and do it first and say, well, just emulate what I just did. So that's the first thing. Good communication with a guide is them communicating what you need. So they need to give you the parameters, whether they be tight or whether they be broad, and kind of put you in a position where you can succeed. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they need to hear you communicate what you want. They need to hear you communicate what you want. So this means if you want to fish dry flies, they don't say, okay, let's fish nymphs for a while. That's not a great sign. If they say, okay, sounds good. Here's a seven weight and a weighted line. We'll, uh, we'll fish streamers for a little bit here. Now, might they have a reason? Of course, but then that's when the communication from them kicks in. And they say, okay, we're, we're going to do that, but you really, you know, if you'd like to, this bank is an awesome place where I've seen some big brown trout hanging up under the bank. If we could just throw a couple of casts with this sinking line, then we'll take a shot at them before we move down to those riffles and we'll fish dry flies. Then you say, okay, I get it. This is them really trying to put me on a big fish. I appreciate that. Even though I want to fish dry flies, I'd also like to have a big fish before I go and do that. But if they try to do their thing and they don't give you any say, then that's the kind of thing where you say, all right, I get that you're the guide, but I'm in this for more than just catching fish. Now, as I said at the very beginning of the podcast, maybe you are just in it for getting fish. And then a kind of guide that's going to bull you around and put you in this spot and put you in this fish and not give you any say is probably a great fit for you. But for somebody who is trying to learn, not just about fishing, but about where you're fishing and about how you're doing those things and why you're doing those things, then you're going to want somebody who's going to listen to your input. Now, you also don't want to be bossy because again, you're the client, you're not the guide. And it's pretty clear through numerous stories that you're able to ruin a trip because you are kind of throwing your weight around. So it's kind of a dance, what you want, what they want with the communication being key. I mean, it's just like any other relationship. You, you have to be able to communicate. So communicate what you want. Do you want to work on casting? then mention that to them. Do you want to work on casting a particular type of way? Then mention that to them. I had a, a guide once who just said, hey, this is a really cool stretch, and it's also a chance for you to try out some two-handed casting. And it wasn't really my thing. I said, all right, we can try it for a while. 
And I, I was trying it. I caught a couple of fish and, and he said, so what do you think? I said, that's fun, but let's, you know, head on and, and do some more traditional stuff. And he was totally cool with it. He, he offered doing something new. I tried it. It was fun. It wasn't how I wanted to spend my morning, but I tried it and it was a good experience, but he was listening to me. He was listening what I wanted. He was listening what I needed. And it wasn't a long tutorial on two-handed casting. And so he was totally cool with that. No resentment. He didn't offer to do it again later in the day. We talked about it and he, he, he explained a lot to me and it was great. It was a very natural, smooth experience. So they need to be able to listen to what you want. If you want to fish for a certain type of fish, if you want a certain type of environment, if you want a certain type of fly, all those things, they need to be able to communicate why that might be a bad idea, but they need to at least hear your input and be able to let you know that you are being heard. So that's something to pay attention to. In your experiences in the past, did you have that kind of interaction with a guide or not? So we have communicating what you need from them. They need to be able to communicate to you what you need to do. Then you need to be able to communicate to them what you need. So that needs to be a lot on you and then they need to be receptive. And of course, I think it goes without saying that they communicate to you what you need to do, that you need to be receptive to them and vice versa. That's that, that mutual communication. And then thirdly, conversation. The communication during the day. If you want to quietly fish with the minimum amount of interaction, then you want to be able to find a guide that can respect that. If you want to chatter, 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 you want to find somebody who's going to reciprocate, uh, you know, and, and that's a big part of it. I mean, if you want to spend eight hours in awkward conversation, then I'm all for you spending your money, however you want to spend it. But I want to find somebody who kind of matches me within a, a few standard deviations of conversation style. I've had some quieter guides and I've had some really chatty guides, but with only, oh goodness, maybe one or two exceptions, uh, everyone's been a good conversation partner and they're able to take cues. When I'm frustrated because I messed up a situation, then they're going to back off a little bit and they're not going to try to give me a pep talk. You know, if, if I'm, I'm feeling good, they're, they're, they're going to keep talking about, you know, what we did right and what we can do next. And they're able to be communicators and they can they can read the room, even if the room is just a boat. There's a lot of value in that. Okay, so those three criteria, a guide communicating to you what you need, you communicating to a guide what uh, you want from them and them being uh, good listeners, and then you guys having a conversation together, those are not necessarily three criteria that you're going to find on Yelp or you're going to find on Orvis's endorsed guides page. But it's something to pay attention to as you book guides and it's something for you to have interactions with other folks uh, in your Trout Unlimited chapter or on the water or, you know, other people that you rub shoulders with and ask those questions. Don't just ask, hey, did they put you on fish? Don't just ask, you know, did they have a nice boat? Those things matter. But in my mind, from having numerous guide interactions, what matters most is being able to work together to accomplish a common goal. They want you to catch fish because it impacts their bottom line. It impacts their, their reputation. It impacts really them having a good time on the water, seeing you have a good time. So those are the kind of things that when you have a good experience, then you need to share that with people, whether that be online, 
or whether that be at the fly shop, if this person works for somebody else, give positive feedback. And it needs to go beyond, we caught a lot of fish. Because there are plenty of charter boats where you can go out with 20 other people, drop a line down, and catch a bunch of fish. But what sets a good guide apart from somebody who can just catch fish is the ability to help you with what you need, listen to what you want, and then to have that good conversation. And I've told this story a number of times, but this is kind of a a quick two-trip uh, experience of failing and succeeding in this area. So I did a little bit of guiding when I was in college, did both trout and uh, warm water experiences for folks. And the warm water experience, the very first time I took somebody out on this river in Virginia, I wanted them to catch a fish because they'd never caught a fish on a fly rod. And so I put on a medium sized panfish popper and I told them to cast it behind some rocks and they stripped it a couple times, caught a bluegill. Repeated that two or three times. Awesome experience. Big, hard-fighting river panfish. It was great. I I love fishing for them, and this person enjoyed doing that as well. And after a couple of those, I said, all right, let's tie in a bigger fly, and we'll get into some bass. The bass were not cooperating that day for whatever reason. And actually, after the client left, I went out and fished, and I could not hook up on a bass. It was just a a bad day for the smallmouth to, to come out and play. But after maybe half an hour to 45 minutes of not catching any anything on a bigger popper, on a clouser, on some other you know bigger crayfish patterns, the guy said, well, I want to switch back to the popper and catch those bluegill. And I was like, well, you know, maybe we can do that later, but we really want to try to catch a bass. I mean, you booked me for a bass trip, and, and I kind of strong-armed him into fishing the way I wanted him to fish. In the back of my mind, I thought, you know, he's going to talk to my boss, he's going to talk to other people and say... All he did was put me on sunfish in the in the river. But that's what he was asking for. And even if he came back and said that, then that's not something I can necessarily control. It wasn't unethical. It wasn't bad. So second trip, uh, maybe like a week later, less than a week later, similar situation, similar client, had only caught a few fish on the fly rod before, put him on a little popper, caught a couple of sunfish. He loved it. I loved it. It was great. And so I said, hey, let's switch it up, something bigger, heavier, let's get down, let's try to catch some bass in these weeds and on these shelves. And it just wasn't working. And so I could tell he was getting frustrated. I said, hey, would you want to put a popper back on and see if we can catch some of those sudden fish? He said, yeah, that sounds great. And we did that. And it was awesome. Was it a lot of money, in my opinion, to catch a bunch of sunfish? For me, it would have been. But for somebody who had not fished before, who was learning about how to cast and how to read water, probably didn't matter that much that they were catching big palm and finger sized panfish as opposed to smallmouth bass. So I guess just to add to the to the conversation, you know, conversation and communication is something that has to be learned. And so a lot of seasoned guides are, are going to have that ability. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. If you have any questions about this stuff, feel free to let me know. Matthew at castingacross.com. If you had a fantastic guide, I'd love to shout out some people. So let me know who they are. And uh, maybe in a future podcast, I will share some of the listeners' favorite guides. This week on castingacross.com, two kind of interesting articles. The first one was how to read a fly fishing gear review. Got some good feedback on this one. So I'm writing an article about writing articles. I write fly fishing gear reviews with a very particular purpose in mind. It's to share the virtue and the benefit of any one particular piece of gear. I think everything has a purpose for somebody. So I try to do that, but then also offer some comparisons. So if there's something that does it really, really well, 
and this does it kind of okay, then I'm going to say, well, here's the shortcomings compared to the industry standard or, or what's really, really good. I also talk a little bit about uh, other things that I look for when I read a fly fishing review because even if it is an incredibly slanted or biased review, a careful and critical eye is able to pull out some quality data points that you can then kind of file away as you read two or three other reviews or as you go hands-on with that particular piece of gear. I also share why I do and do not mention where my stuff comes from from my reviews. So read that and then let me know what you think. Matthew at castingacross.com. Wednesday's article was a really fun article to write. It's called Cast from the Past. I used to collect fly fishing and fishing catalogs. And I got rid of all of them when I had my own house and I, I realized how much space stuff takes up. But for a long time, through middle school, through high school, and even through college, when I had a, uh, a parent's house to store stuff in, I kept catalogs. And I loved looking through them for the photography. And then, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while or read the website for a while, I'm a big branding and marketing nerd. Like I just love a good sales pitch, whether that's in print or if that's in person. So I would collect these and I would read them. And it was just a fun, tangible way to stay in touch with what was going on, new products, trends, aesthetics, all of those things. And I think we've lost that with uh, with website catalogs. And they're great. And I love how they're dynamic and that you, they can watch videos and hear interviews and all those things. It's wonderful. I'm not arguing that we need to go back. I'm just reminiscing a little bit about a piece of 25 years ago. One of the cool things though, and a couple links in this article, is that there are some brands that have digital copies of their old catalogs. I've come across them as I've done research for some of these uh, throwback gear reviews that I've done. But they're fun and it takes me back to where I was at that time. Like there's a very specific memory I have with one Sage catalog because I owned that catalog when I was making a decision on the first kind of high-end rod purchase that I made in the late 90s. So little things like that, they kind of connect you to a time and a place. So check that out and check those links out in that article. This week's recommendation on the podcast is the VitaVu Legacy Collection. The VitaVu Legacy Collection. If you've listened to the podcast for any period of time, you know that I like VitaVu products because they are durable, they are simple, and they are handmade to order in the United States of America. And their new Legacy Collection kind of takes the best of their products, which again are simple handmade packs and bags, but now they're taken to a whole different level because they used wax canvas as well as leather accents. And the cool thing about this is that, first of all, it connects you with the way that fly fishing gear looked a couple of generations ago, which I think is cool as somebody who enjoys fly fishing history. But also, they're going to get a little bit of a patina on them. So if if I have a knock on Vitavu gear, and this is super minor, it's that it looks brand new even after multiple seasons. I mean, you really have to get it muddy or maybe like run over it with your car to make it look like it's used. This stuff, just from wearing it, it's going to age beautifully. I know that because I have other waxed canvas gear from other companies and outside of fly fishing that, that I've used for five or 10 years. I think there's going to be some really cool looking packs that come out of this collection. Um, they come in uh, a charcoal color, uh, a gray, which is up my alley, as well as a, a like a loden olive green color. They have uh, two slings, uh, a backpack, and then a bunch of small accessories. So if you don't need to drop 150 bucks to get some of this stuff, you can get a, a fly wallet or a leader wallet for uh, $40. But awesome stuff. 
really cool from a, a small business where the owner and his team are touching every piece of gear that comes out of the shop. Uh, just really good stuff, worth checking out. This is this is the kind of stuff that is like gift quality. Uh, Father's Day is just around the corner. Anyone who happens to be listening for me. So check it out. I'll put a link to the Legacy Collection from VitaVu on the link to the podcast page on castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.